Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. So, you went on YouTube and learned how to fix a leaky sink. Now you're an expert. That's cool. But now your mind is a fury of possibility. What else could you learn? What if you could fix a sink? And while you learn to fix a sink, you learn to control your tongue. That's not easy. And then, by controlling your tongue, you could learn to control your road rage. Then, by controlling your road rage, you could have more patience with your neighbours who are throwing junk over the fence into your yard. And now, with more patience, what if you could learn how to stop raging at your roommate for leaving dishes in the sink? And, and then, with less rage, what if that girl who said, nope, was now like, maybe? That would be really cool. Then, what if you learned to stop drowning your problems in Amazon purchases and started living on a budget? And what if, with less stress, better relationships, more patience, and a control on your tongue, you begin to see that God is actually real? Or you could just learn to fix a sink. This is a letter about your life from a man named James. It's the whole truth from the half-brother of Jesus. This is your masterclass. Well, good morning, 11 a.m. Yeah, it's okay to clap. It's okay to clap. We're in the house of the Lord. Um, We are so excited that you guys are here today. Uh, My name is Britt, and I am the youth pastor here. So I get the privilege of hanging out with 15-year-olds all the time. Amen. Um, And if I could just speak to the teens or the parents in the room for a second, I just know that the struggle is real, as the teens say. Um, But I want you guys to know that there is a place for you in ACF youth culture, that life is challenging in middle school and high school, and you don't have to go through it alone. And so if you're a junior high, there's a place for you. We get together on Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30. We talk about life. We talk about the real things going on. Um, If you're a high schooler, we get together from 7 to 9 on Sundays. And again, real community where people talk about their problems, their stress, just their overwhelming things going on in their life. And you don't have to be alone in that. So make sure you come and check that out. If you're a parent, force your teenager to come. Um, (laughs) So as the youth pastor, I, again, hang around 15-year-olds all the time. So if I say things like, the church is lit Or, today I'm going to spill the tea about Jesus. Or, this is one of my favorites, I just learned this one, God is so good, no cap. Um, Show me some grace. I hang around a bunch of young people, that's where they stick me. Uh, But I'm just trying to stay relevant. Well, today we are closing out the book of James. And James is the half-brother of Jesus. And he goes from being this skeptic, to this martyr. He goes from being this person that's like, man, I don't think Jesus is real to giving his very life for him. And all throughout the book, he's saying this idea that real faith results in real works. That when Jesus comes into your heart, 
he's going to start to impact and affect the way you live and talk to people because he wants a hurting world around us to know that God is with them in it. And so today we're going to be finishing up this series. And before we just kind of go to the text, I just want to take a moment to just talk to God. Uh, Would you guys bow your heads in prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, for your truth that is alive and active. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just fall in this place and we would hear from you today. God, we want to hear from you. And I just pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to to hear and respond to you, Lord. God, I pray... Lord, that this stage would be yours, that this mouth would be yours, and that we would walk away loving and knowing you more, Jesus. We ask this in the power of your Holy Spirit and in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you guys have a Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 5, verse 13, or you can download our ACF Church app. The text will be there as well. And it reads, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and recover a multitude of sins. And I love how James closes this book. He's been giving us really, really practical things to do thus far, but he closes it with the most important thing we can do. Pray. If you look at the text and those six verses, he says some form of the word prayer eight times. He's saying that God wants us to pray. And what is prayer? It's simply talking to God honestly. And I love when a child prays because they just pray honestly to God. They close their eyes and they're like, God, I want to see a unicorn today. God, let this mac and cheese be good because normally it's crap. (laughs) Or they have these moments where they're just real and they're like, God, Mom and dad got in a really big fight, and I just pray that they wouldn't. And there's this sense of authenticity when they're just talking to God. If you're a parent in the room, one of the most annoying things is when you ask your child, how was your day? And they just say, fine. You're like, give me more. I want to know more about it but you love it when they invite you in and they're like, Sarah was acting crazy in class. Miss Johnson almost hit her, but she didn't. I mean, and they just start to tell you about the details. And what that does is that deepens the relationship. 
And God wants us to talk to him about the details. And so just take a moment and consider, when do I pray? Is it when life is good and the bank account's right and the kids aren't acting crazy? Is it when life is hard and you are reaching the end of yourself and you're overwhelmed and you're just calling out to God because you don't know where else to go? Is it when you physically can't go on? James is saying God wants to be a part of it all. And we see several different types of prayer and just talking to God. In verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. If you're stressed out with life, if you are overwhelmed, talk to God about it. And I know for me, honestly, when I feel this way, typically I turn to this. And I scroll on TikTok and on Facebook and Instagram, and I never feel better. It never brings the peace that my heart is longing for. The next form of prayer, it says, is anyone cheerful? Let him give praise. Y'all, the pumpkin spice latte just came out. Amen, I heard that. Um, Is things in life good? Are exciting things happening? Give God praise. Did you wake up this morning? Give God praise. Are you healthy? Give God praise. Just acknowledging that every gift I have is from you. And then he moves into a third type of prayer, this prayer of healing. And I just want to be really thoughtful with this because I know there's been a lot of hurt with this prayer of healing. And people having these illnesses and things being said like you just don't have enough faith or there's sin in your life. And this morning, I just want us to look at the text and see what it says. And for God to just give us clarity on what he's actually saying. James writes, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And this word for sick in the Greek is estheneo, which literally means powerless, without strength. So this isn't just a cold or a minor, minor illness. This is someone who is at the end of themselves with zero strength. And I want you to notice in the text that it says he calls the elders. So this isn't a prayer gathering or a prayer of healing ministry. This is someone making a house call saying, man, I am without strength. I need my church leaders to just come and pray over me. And the text again says the elders pray over them, implying this significant degree of weakness. And then James says, anoint them with oil in, name, in the name of the Lord. And this oil is, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. We see that a lot in the Old Testament, or it can be used for medicinal purposes. But the more important thing is who, what the oil is anointed in the name of. Jesus. Jesus is the power and the life. And anything that we want to see, we bring it to Jesus. 
This past week, we had um, someone in our ACF family, uh, a family that goes here, and half of the family was traveling, and they were at the airport, and the dad was here, and their child fell at the airport. And it was so significant that the child was unresponsive. And we received this call, one of our leaders did, from the dad who wasn't there with his family. And he's just like, call out to God, pray, I'm scared, I'm afraid. And myself and several other ACF leaders, we just went in that conference room and we held hands and we called out to Christ, our healer. And you could just feel the Holy Spirit. And we just boldly asked for these things from God. And then a couple hours later, we got this phone call. Um, And the dad said, there was a miraculous thing that happened. And the, the boy's fine. And the doctor's like, I don't know what happened. I, I can't explain this, but I can. I know who we called on. This prayer of faith is calling out to God boldly, believing he can, but ultimately saying, God, I trust in your will. I trust what you will bring about to happen. And I think this is where we get into trouble. We say, God, if you're good, then it has to look this way. God, if you're real, then it has to have this certain outcome. But the prayer of faith, it's not about putting your faith in healing. It's about putting your faith in God. And so many times we put our faith in what we want to happen rather than the person who says, I know all things, trust me, even if it doesn't look like you think it will. I wrestled with this prayer for healing for a lot of years. Um, Someone really dear to my heart and to my life, uh, Grandma Johnson, this lovely, amazing woman, Um, man, she had just this fire about her in life. She would bike 30 miles and then get home and eat two bags of Hershey's Kisses. Uh, She was just this amazing light and just so real and honest. I remember one time I dyed my hair brown and she was like, babe, that's not for you. And I was like, okay, grandmother. Uh, But she just had this love for life and for people And 12 years prior to her passing, she got diagnosed with this disease called adhesive arachniditis. It was very, very rare, but what it essentially is, is chronic compression of the spinal nerves. And this disease caused the cysts to grow up and down her back. And she lost all function of her legs, but could still feel everything. She would feel these sensations of of stabbing and burning and tingling, and she was on methadone, and it hardly even touched it. She would go a week without using the bathroom, and then she wouldn't eat because it would just be so blocked up. And, And I just remember sitting with her and being like, Grandma, how are you not angry with God? Your life is so hard, and this is so painful. How are you not mad at him? And she looked at me and said, babe, 
God is the only way I get through this. How could I be angry with him? He's the only way that I'm still breathing right now, that I'm able to function. How could I be mad at him? She was in constant communication and prayer. And she had this sign by her bed and she would read it every morning and every evening. And it just says, dear God, I don't ask you to make my life easier, but I ask you to give me the strength to face all my trouble. Amen. And her constant communication with God led her to have this beautiful kingdom perspective. And what I saw is that prayer may or may not remove the sickness, but it can transform how you react to it. Prayer may or may not remove the suffering and hardship, but it can transform how you walk through it. And we see in scripture, faithful people of God who experience suffering and they call out to God for relief. We see in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul's given this thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what that is, but we know it tormented him day and night. And he calls out to God and he asks three times, please take this from me. This is hard. This is painful. I don't want this. And God's response is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I love that Paul's thorn didn't turn him away from God. It turned him towards God. How many times in our life do we experience these suffering and painful things and we turn away from God? And I wonder if the enemy's just like, see, I told you, they only want what you can do for them. They don't want you. They only want the good outcome. They don't want to walk with you through the trials of life. We see in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus having this prayer of faith, boldly calling out to God being real with God, take this cup from me, he asked three times. But he had the prayer of faith and surrender and submission saying, your will be done. God's main mission and purpose is to save our soul, not our physical bodies. And that's a hard truth that we wrestle with hearing, but every single person that Jesus healed still died. The mute, the lepers, the crippled, the centurion servant, the woman who bled for 12 years, Lazarus who got raised to life, had to die again. Oh man, that was rough. But every single person that Jesus brought healing to physically still passed away. And James uses these words like save and raise him up in the text. And I don't think this is exclusively physical. I think this is spiritual as well because my grandmother, she was a devout Catholic and she always wrestled with God, am I good enough for you? 
And through this disease, she experienced a grace and a surrender to him that I don't know if she would have ever experienced otherwise. And she's saved. And she's now raised up with Christ. Amen. Prayer doesn't always look like we want it to, but this text was fulfilled in my grandma. I'm a firsthand witness of that. In verse 16, James writes, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And he's no longer talking to just that sick person. He's now talking to the body of Christ. He's saying, confess your sins to one another. And when I looked at that text, I was like, why isn't he saying confess to God? I feel like that's who we should be bringing that to. And one of the commentaries I read said, this confession to one another means acknowledging I messed up to the person that you have wronged. Going to that person and saying, man, I'm really sorry. I didn't get it right in that moment. I was being really selfish. Or I had a really long day at work and I just kind of took out my anger on you. And you know what it does when we have these moments of confession and acknowledging, forgive me, it ushers in healing. This isn't just for the sick people. This is for all of us. All of us want to see healing in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, in this world. We want to see division gone. But when's the last time you've just owned your little part in it and just said, man, I'm so sorry I pointed you away from Jesus instead of towards him. James closes out this section by saying, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And this whole book, he's been writing, what does a righteous person looks like? They are steadfast in trials. They don't just listen to God's word. They actually do what it says. They don't show favoritism, but they love everyone with the love of Jesus. They tame their tongue and use it to draw people towards God rather than away from him. They submit their desires and plans to God. They are patient in the brokenness of this world. But most of all, they invite God into every part of it being honest and bold with him, but surrendering and submitting, saying, hey, I trust you even when I don't understand. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And when I read this text, I kind of fixated on that fervently. This wasn't just a one-time conversation with God. This was a constant talking to him. Are you constantly talking to God? I wonder if this was every moment, just like, God, don't let it rain. I know you hear my cry, and I just want to keep bringing this before you. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And Elijah, I love that the text says this, he was like us. He was a prophet, so he spoke God's decrees and he instructed the people in the ways of the Lord. And he did all of these mighty things for God. But he was like us in the fact that 
when he wasn't sure what life was going to throw at him and what was going to happen, he literally ran from God. He had moments where he literally despaired life itself because he was so overwhelmed. He's like us. And God answered him because he hears the cry of our hearts. I love how C.S. Lewis sums up prayer. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And so how do I know God is good? How do I know I can bring to him just all the desires of my heart? How do I know that if I'm honest with him, I'm not going to be met with condemnation, wrath, and judgment? Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That in our brokenness, God looked upon us and said, I want to redeem and save that. That he died for our sins. He died for my sins so that they would no longer define me. He would. So that they would no longer I would no longer experience the chains of this world, but freedom. The gospel is this good news of God seeing the world and its brokenness and saying, man, I wanna pay for that so that I can spend eternity with them. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Revelation 21, four. And it's talking about this new heaven with God. And I picture myself getting there and being like, whoa, that was rough. I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it, I was a hot mess. And it starts off the text by saying, God wipes away our tears. And I just think of me in that moment, standing before the holy almighty God and saying, I'm so sorry I didn't trust you. I'm so sorry in that moment, I thought that was better than you. I'm so sorry, God, that I didn't let you into that part of my life. And these tears are just flowing. And God is meeting me with this intimate, just wiping, saying, it's okay, it's okay. I know that's why I came. And then this promise comes that there is no more death, no more mourning, no more sickness. The old ways are gone and the new has come. And then my favorite part of this text is God now dwells with his people and his people with God. Amen. And I think as we just look at this world and this brokenness, you can easily get discouraged. And you can be like, God, why is it like this? And God's like, I know it's broken. Why do you think I came to save it? I know it's not supposed to be this way. Why do you think I came to rescue it? This earth doesn't have the final say I do, but I need you to trust me every moment of every day, even when you don't understand. James passed away and everyone in this room will too. 
And he wrote this letter because he wanted people to experience the love of Christ through people who follow him. He's so practical in this letter talking about what does it actually look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world. But he closes it by saying, none of that matters if you don't invite God to be a part of it. None of that matters if Jesus isn't in it. And so every single week, guys, we wanna make this real. We want God to take more ground in our hearts because we know the world is broken out there. And I truly believe that God's favorite way to move is through his people. It's through each and every one of us because we get to experience the blessing of what it's like to say, God, I walked with you and I, and I saw you show up. And maybe it wasn't the way I wanted to, but I, I watched you move and I, I watched you change me and, and change how I react to the situation. On your chair, there is a um, action card because we wanna make this real. And I'd love for you to just take a moment and consider, God, where do I need to let you in? Where do I need to surrender? Where do I need to take a next step with you? And maybe for you today, that's saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. And I just wanna say again, he knows this world is broken. That's why he came to save it. He wants to walk with you through life. He wants to be present in all of the pain and suffering and happiness and joy. Invite him into it. Cause he is the only thing that will last. The second thing is talk to God about the good, bad and ugly in my life. Y'all, I'm a little crazy. <laughs> I remember praying the things that I thought God wanted to hear and almost being like manipulative in my mind saying, God, if I just say the right thing, then you'll do what I want you to do. And Psalm 139 says, he already knows our thoughts. He knows our words on our mouth before we even speak them. And yet I bring this face to God hoping that if I act or say the right thing, he'll move. And God's like, man, I just want you to trust me. I want you to trust me enough that you don't have to put on a face in front of me. That's what an authentic relationship is. It's letting me see all of it and knowing I paid for it. Let me start to rescue and redeem and restore the broken things in your life. The third thing, confess my sin to someone in my life this week. Guys, we are all broken sinners. I get it wrong a hundred times a day. But how many times do I pause and acknowledge and confess to that person, hey, I'm really sorry. I said that and I didn't mean that. There's so much division. What if we started to own the things that we said so that we could see the healing that we all desire. And the fourth and final thing is reach out to someone and ask how I can pray for them and then do it. Have you guys ever had someone walking in and you can just tell they're having a rough day? You can tell that they have just reached the end of themselves. What if you paused in that moment and just said, hey, can I just pray for you? 
I see that you're working through a lot of stuff. And can we just take a moment and I just encourage you and love on you and talk to God with you? How would our jobs and our schools and our homes be different if we just paused and had this posture? Every single week, inviting God into all of it because he sees it. But he wants to be in it with you. Would you guys go ahead and bow your heads as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you that you want to be in constant communication with us. You want to talk to us. Lord, you want to walk with us through all the brokenness. You want to heal us. God, I just ask for forgiveness in all the times that I try and do life on my own when you want to be a part of it. God, I want to ask for forgiveness when I got angry at you because things didn't work out as I wanted them to. But you were writing a bigger story than I could ever imagine. God, I just pray for the person in here, Lord, who has just been shutting you out. Lord, let them let you in because you are good. You want to walk with them through life. And I just pray that they would surrender to you. God, we thank you so much for, for you and your love and your goodness. I pray we never stop talking to you and letting you have more room in our hearts. We ask this all in the power of your Holy Spirit and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.